When I preach, I have kind of a set of scriptures that we'll you'll walk through, but this morning, um, I don't. We're not going to teach right out of one set of scriptures. Don't worry. I am going to teach scriptures, just not from one set. Um, I'm actually going to start uh, with a quote out of a book called The Pursuit of God. Anybody in here read The Pursuit of God? Just a few. The Pursuit of God is written by A.W. Tozer. Um, it's a very short book. Uh, each chapter is only like, I don't know, 10, 12 pages. It's an incredible book. It's written, gosh, I guess 30, 40 years ago, 60s maybe, 1960s, I think. And it might be one of the most relative, uh, revelatory, thanks, revelatory um, books I've read. And I've only read two chapters so far. Um, so I guess maybe that's not an accurate statement for the whole book. But at least the first two chapters have just been incredible. And so I want to encourage you, if you have read it, to read it again. If you haven't read it, to pick up a copy. You can get it at bookstores. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in iTunes. It's available everywhere. So me and Christian and Brett Thompson, remember Brett Thompson, our communications coordinator? Yes, Brett Thompson, our communications coordinator. I hope you're watching, Brett. Um, we've been, we still love you, Brett. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we've been reading this book, and in the first chapter, I want to read just a couple of sentences that really um, began to send me just on this, I guess, pursuit of who God is and what he has in my life. reads this way, and in my book, it's page 17 on my iPad. It might not be the same when you get your book. It says this, every age has its own characteristics. Right now, we are in an age of religious complexity. Very interesting. This was written 40-some-odd, 50 years ago, I guess 60 years ago now. Religious complexity. The simplicity, which is in Christ, is rarely found among us. In its stead are programs, methods, organizations, in a world of nervous activities which occupy our time and attention but can never satisfy the longing of our heart. If we could find God amid all the religious externals, we must first determine to find Him and then proceed in the way of simplicity. Now, as always, God reveals Himself to babes and hides Himself in the thick darkness from the wise and the prudent. We must simplify our approach to Him. We must strip down to the essentials. We must put away all efforts to impress and come with the guileless candor of a child. If we do this, without doubt, God will quickly respond. When religion has said its last word, there is, little, there is little that we need other than God himself. The evil habit of seeking God and effectively prevents us from finding God in full revelation. In the and lies our great woe. If we admit the and, we shall soon find God. And in him, we shall find that which we have been longing for our whole lives. This is A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. The evil habit of seeking God and. As I was reading that, that was the first thing I highlighted in the, in the whole entire chapter was that phrase, God and. How often do I begin my life, or do I begin to walk seeking God? Yes, but seeking all these other things along with Him. And not just the of the relationship with him. I realized that, you know, the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, those things that we want can only come if we seek God. 
We can't seek just to be joyful. We can't seek just to be patient. We can't seek just to be kind because it won't happen on our own because we live in a world that's lost and broken and full of mean people, right? We come across mean people every day. Sometimes we come across as a mean person every day. We live in a world that's broken. And so trying to do those things without just seeking God in that simple form of just our relationship with God is next to impossible. Nothing else will satisfy until we come to the full understanding that God is enough. Even in, in what we believe to be true, the scriptures that, that when Jesus is telling uh, the disciples what is the greatest commandment, love God and love people. Make no mistake, you can't do the second without diligently committing to the first. It's impossible to love people well if you're not in a full, committed, loving relationship with the Lord. And so if our, if our main goal, our only pursuit is not just God, we will fall short in many areas in our life because if we begin to pursue these things outside of our relationship with the Lord, we will begin to pursue them in our own power. We will begin to add our own ideas to them and our own perceptions, our own thoughts of what is good or what is bad. And so I began to make a list and as I made this list of things in my life that over the years, maybe now or in years past, that I pursue and I look for and I desire, but sometimes I realize I do them on my own accord. And the interesting thing about at least my list and what we're going to go through today, all of them are good. All of these things are good and needed and actually intended and created by God for us. But... If we pursue them on our own and we just make those our focus and those our goals, they always become lacking. Often they become perverted. Often it becomes hurtful and painful to us when we don't do it through our relationship through the Lord, with the Lord. So we're going to take just a few minutes, and I want to walk you through just a couple of things. And honestly, when I was reading um, that that. The, the quote from A.W. Tozer, I really thought, I could probably just read this to you six or seven times and let it sink in, and you probably could come up with your own list in about ten minutes. How often we add things to our relationship with the Lord and, and we seek them outside. The first one I wrote down on my list was rest. You know that rest was created and intended for us, for, for, our, you know, for our good by the Lord, right? He created the Sabbath, not for God, but for man, so that we could rest in him and so that we could uh, enjoy his glory, enjoy his creation, and enjoy who he is. But often we seek rest in our own way, right? How often when we say, man, I need some time off, the first thing we do is go turn on Netflix for, you know, five, six, seven hours, eight, nine days, I don't know, you get involved in that. You know, you get involved in scrolling through, you know, videos on YouTube or you get involved in doing all these other things because you want to get away. You want to step outside of the chaos that's going on in our life. Maybe for you, you sit down and, and always you might need a drink or you might need something else, and that's how you rest. The problem is when we pursue rest on our own, it will always fall short. And often, often if we pursue rest on our own, something that takes us out of the chaos of our life or lets us take a break from our work, Often, actually, what, I, what I've seen is it actually leads to some kind of addiction. You know, that I've got to, in order to rest because I'm pursuing it on my own, I've got to have this. I've got to have this. This is the only way I rest. But you read in the Word in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You read through the Psalms, it always talks, in the Psalms over and over, it talks about come to him and you shall find rest. True rest can only be found in our pursuit of God. If we're just willing to pursue him on a daily basis, you will find the rest that you need. If you pursue him with your whole heart, you'll you'll read the scriptures and you'll see God really does want us to have rest, that he really does want us to take a break from our work, but he wants us in that break to rest and to relax in him. Not that those other things are bad, but if that becomes your way of resting, it becomes your way of of getting out of, of the chaos of life, it'll become something that you can't let go of, that will begin to take the place of what God wants to do in your life, which is to bring you rest. One of the things I thought of is provision in my life. Provision in my life. The Bible says in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is what? Jehovah Jireh? That he meets all of our needs. But how often do we look at our needs and then we start planning and maybe even scheming? How do we meet all of these needs? How am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get this? How am I going to provide all these things in my life? And we lose the point of trusting in the Lord that he is our provision, that he will supply everything we need according to his riches and glory. You know the riches and glory of the one who created the earth? The one who owns a thousand hills of cattle? The one who supplies every need? Those are the riches and glory we really want and that we should want in our lives, but when we begin to pursue it ourselves, you become greedy often because there's never enough. When we have to provide for ourselves and we try and make all the plans and try and make enough money, we often then become greedy and not giving and not generous because, man, if I don't keep this for myself and I don't make the provisions for myself and I don't keep all this so that all my family can have everything they need, we get afraid. And we stop doing the thing that God really calls us to do, and that is to give and to bless others. Provision, it comes from him. I thought about safety. We talk about safety a lot. And, and in that A.W. Tozer thing, he talked about the, the childlike love. And I began to think of when my kids are afraid, they don't really go looking for safety. What they do is they run to me or they run to Joanna. Without thinking. If they get afraid, if something scares them, it is their first thought. How often is that our first thought? When something scares us, when something's afraid, is our first thought just to run straight to God? Or is it to try and provide our own safety or to look to somebody for our own safety? Psalm 46 says this, God is our shelter and our strength. He's always ready and help to help in time of need. So we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the ocean depths. Even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by violence, there is a river that brings joy to the city of God, to the sacred house of the Most High. You know, that's where our safety is. Are we looking for safety in, in some other place? Even with all this stuff that's going on during the pandemic, are we looking for safety from doctors or the, the professionals and, and that kind of stuff instead of realizing God is our refuge? Even in provision, when I was thinking about provision, how often are we looking for it from somebody else like the government? You know, the government's not our provision. Your job's not your provision. The Lord is your provision. 
What about being content? One of my life goals <laughs> is to get to this place where I'm content. And it's been a long journey, 43 years almost, and counting. Contentment sometimes is hard for me. But Paul tells us, he says, not that I'm speaking of need, this is in Philippians, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how I, ought, uh, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty, and I've learned the secret of, of facing hunger. I've learned the secret of, of facing abundance, and I've learned the secret of facing need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Man, what a powerful statement Paul had learned that I, I can do these things, not because I seek to be content. If you seek to be content, which is probably part of my problem, then it's hard to do it on your own. But if you seek to be with the Lord, he provides that content for you because you begin to realize, man, he provides all my needs to his riches and glory. He gives me rest. He gives me safety. He takes care of all these things in my life. And so I can learn to be content, not by pursuing being content, but by pursuing my relationship with him. And so there's all these things in, in my life, and I'm sure in your life, and I, we could name probably 10 or 15 more things like that that we often want, but instead of going to the source, we're trying to find it. But the, God is promising us that if we just focus on him and if we just pursue him and if we just make it simple, our relationship with him, these other things he will teach us and he will show us and he will provide for us because that trust comes. And then we can move into the area of relationships. I think this, this is a big one. And I'm not talking about just, you know, husband and wife I'm relationships. I am talking about relationships as a whole. How often are we pursuing acceptance from others? How often is one of our goals to be accepted and loved and find value and find worth from others? And not just relying on God for that, not just understanding that he is enough. Romans 5.8 says that we are accepted. It says, by God, uh, but God showed his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because he accepts you just as you are. It says that we were adopted through Jesus Christ according to the purposes of his will, to the praise and glorious grace, which is he has blessed us in the beloved. He loves you and accepts you just the way you are. It says, I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons or other fears for today or other worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. That is acceptance. And in reality, that is the acceptance we all so desperately want. But often we are desperately seeking it in the forms of other human relationships. But, man, if we can get to this point where it's just the pursuit of God and it's just us and, and we're okay with that acceptance and love because it is perfect. You won't find a person on earth that will love you no matter what you do. You won't find a person on earth that is going to send their son for you because you've messed up. But God has already done it, and he's calling out and he's saying, don't you know I've already accepted you? See, when we pursue that in relationships outside of just our, our relationship with God and we pursue that acceptance, we often begin to compromise our beliefs because we just want to be accepted. 
and we just want to be loved. So we begin to compromise our beliefs. We begin to bend what we believe to be true and, and what we believe to be right and, and our ethics and our morals, and we begin to want to make people love us and want to make people like us. We want to find value. We want others to find value in us. And, and God is saying, Jesus is saying, he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten by God? Why, even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Luke 12, 6 through 7. Ephesians 2, 10 says, we are the workmanship of Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us in advance. We are the workmanship. We are more valuable than many sparrows who God does not forget. We want to be valued. We want to know we have worth. And God is saying, hey, here, I'm telling you, me, the God creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into being and, oh, by the way, created you for purpose and, and created you because I love you and need you and want you here on this earth. I love you and you are valuable and you are accepted. When we begin to walk in that, we begin to walk in freedom. You know, we're, you know Christ came to bring us freedom. We walk in Christ. That is freedom, not needing the acceptance of others, not needing somebody else to tell me I am loved, not needing somebody else to, to, to value me, but understanding God does that, lets you walk in freedom. And here's the really neat thing. It begins to allow you to help others do the same. Because when we get to this place where we realize God is enough, really it should put us at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, the playing field is equal. We all should realize at the foot of the cross, I am a sinner saved by grace by the work he did on the cross. You know, Paul said that. He said, I, I vowed to know nothing when I was with you but Christ and Christ crucified. If we can wake up in the morning and remember, that's who I am. I need that cross every single day. If we can remember that, we begin to walk that way towards other people. We begin to understand that the, the fullness of God's love for us in our life. When we see other people, we realize they're just like me. They need Jesus just like me. They need to know they're accepted and they're loved and they're valued just like me. All things that are good and all things that are needed in our life, there's people out there that need it and might need to hear it from you. But, man, if we don't pursue God, it's going to be really hard to help somebody else do that. If we don't just make our lives simple and say, I am going to pursue God with everything that I have and not worry about anything else, you will then begin to walk in a way that people will want to know what's going on in your life, especially in times like is going on in our world today. And the biggest one I wrote down and I want to close with that I think our world is struggling with is we pursue our identity outside of our pursuit of God. Think about it. Think about all the identity issues we got going on in the world today. And again, we do it. Other people do it. When we pursue our identity apart from our relationship with God, apart from uh, understanding the fullness of who God is and that he is our creator and that he loves us, we begin to walk down a path that always ends in hurt and pain and disappointment in rejection, often in perversion, because we begin adding our own ideas. We begin deciding what we think is valuable, what we would like our identity to be, and, and, or what we want other people to think our identity is. 
And I just want to read 14 scriptures. By the way, I, I forgot to get these to Jessica. We're going to put them out tomorrow so you can have them, the ones that, that go along with each heading. If we can understand our identity, it begins to open up doors. But this is what the Bible says, and, and we'll get into that in just a second. This is what the Bible says. John 1.12 said, yet, <clears throat> excuse me, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 2.8 says, we have been called according to his purpose. Ephesians 1.7 says, we are redeemed through his blood. We are forgiven of our sins. John 15.16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Romans 6.6 6 says, you are no longer slaves to sin. Genesis 1.27 says, you were created in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Don't you want to be chosen? Don't you want to be royal? Don't you want to be a holy nation? The idea that we are God's special possession. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but it is Christ that lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 15.15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's craftsmanship, masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We are citizens of heaven, Philippians 3.20 says. And Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. 2 Corinthians 15.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all new things have come. These are just a few. All right, I could probably spend another 15, 20 minutes just reading scriptures about who, sorry, about who God created you to be. What your identity is. What your identity is not. And if we can grasp a hold of this, if we can simplify our lives to just the pursuit of God and not God and all these other things, we can just simplify just our time being with Him, we begin to walk in this freedom of acceptance and worth in who we are and our identity. And then we can walk into a lost and broken world who is every single day trying to figure out who they are. We can walk into a world and begin to speak life into people. Speak life to people. Begin to testify to people about who they were created to be. Who God intended them to be. Who they can really find their identity in versus trying to find it on their own. Which is always ending up lost, hurt, and broken. This is our call. To keep it simple. To love God. And as we love God, we can then step out and love people. You know, the thing is, <clears throat> simplicity is often hard. Complexity is relatively easy. 
I don't know about you, I can make my life pretty complex really fast. Keeping my life simple and singularly focused is much more difficult. And so that's why we need each other to remind each other, to talk to each other, to ask each other, are you spending time with God? Are you with Him? Are you pursuing Him? And let all these other things come out of that relationship and not just seek them. Like A.W. Tozer said, back to the simplicity of our relationship with Him and cutting out all the ands so that we can stay focused and loving Him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You. Lord, I thank You that we can find full acceptance in You. We can find full worth and full value in You. That You have created us and You define us and You speak to us, Lord. I pray that each and every one here and each and every person listening online Lord, would set aside everything else. Everything else in their life and just pursue You. Lord, they would trust in that, Lord, that they would trust. If, if they would just pursue you, these things would follow, that their needs would be met, that rest would be found, safety would be there. Lord, I pray that we would do that. Lord, I pray that we would be light in this dark, dark world, a light that says you are loved, you are redeemed, you are forgiven. Lord, I pray for each and every person here, as, as we heard earlier, that we would walk in boldness to proclaim those things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.